This is Your Daily Pass. You're here with Courtney Passfield and Fiona Daly. Our goal is to share stories of people just like you and me, the ones that inspire us, motivate us and wow us with their resilience. And let's just say, breaking down stigmas along the way. Fiona Daly. Look at your excitement. I wish we could, like, do videos. I know. It would probably be It would really be awesome. less weird. I feel like we're can, very awkward can sometimes. Can you tell your line that you're wanting to say? Let's get down yeah. and dirty with some women's business. Yes. So this episode, <laughs> as Fiona is so excited to tell you, and she's been going on with this same comment for a while, she's keen to get down and dirty So mm. with some women's business. And we this can is slide what this- right in. <laughs> Fuck. <laughs> it started already. Okay. I don't even know if I can do an intro with you. Yeah, you can. Yeah, you can. You can. <laughs> Man up, lady. Man up. Perfect. Well, we have the beautiful Katrina here. We are very excited because we get to talk women's business. Exactly. And to be honest, we started out going, yeah, let's talk menopause. But we don't know where this conversation could go. So we are happy just to lose it. We're just going to hold on. Exactly. Buckle up. Exactly. And also, blokes, just because we just said we're talking women's business, that does not mean skip. That means fucking listen. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. <laughs> if you want to make your partner happy, listen along. <laughs> Ooh, should, you can get a little tune on that. I know. I'm so excited. All right. Well, Welcome. enough for your singing. Let's Hello. talk to Katrina. Thank you so much for having me, girls. I'm super excited and, like I said, quietly having a little panic attack. But I'm super excited. It's going to be amazing. Exactly. It will be absolutely amazing. And we are really keen for this one. And I think, you know, we had a little bit of a conversation before we've obviously pressed record and it's just like... We're so excited for this because it's the conversations that we don't have. You know, we don't yes. talk about this stuff, do we? Never. No one ever talks about their sexual health, women's business, those kinds of things. It's a bit of a taboo subject and there's a whole stigma attached to um, having a conversation about it. Like women everywhere and, and men are terrified as soon as we start talking about women's business. It's like everyone goes, whoop, I'm shutting down and I'm leaving. And yes. it just isn't like that. We need to... For me personally, I look at a vagina, vulva, breasts, any of those things, they're just like your arm or your leg. I don't understand why we need to make it super weird. Yeah. And it is so true. Like I have a daughter and I know that when, you know, we're starting to go to the toilet training and we're starting to talk about, like, so I have twins, a boy and a girl, and it was like, oh, it was easy to say to him, yeah, that's your doodle. And then when it was to Kels, I was like, oh, that's your, oh, um, what did you call it without yeah, making it weird, don't you? Exactly, without making it sound dirty. But then also, this is a part of your body. No wonder why we can yeah. have so many issues Do when it comes to body. Do you think that starts, though? You think about it. Like when you were getting to, like when we were young, right? Mm-hmm. When mm-hmm. we were getting to the point where it was like, you know, we were getting to age where your body was starting to change. There was period. There was things. I just got handed a book. Like, did yeah, you? I, no, I didn't get a book. What did you get? No, I just cried. Did you? <laughs> yeah, when I got my period. But, like, it's like, so it Fiona gets instead. weird then. Sorry, I was just saying, you got Fiona instead. Yeah, so, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Exactly. You didn't get the book, you got Fiona. Yeah, yeah. exactly. She was there. But isn't that funny? Like, it just gets made weird at the start. Exactly. And so that we grow up just making this big stigma around it. But, I mean, we all got one. Well, all us women do, anyway. Some people are getting there. Yeah, exactly. They're making them these days. <laughs> exactly. That's exactly right. So I'd love you to jump in for us, Kat, and tell us your journey and pretty much spill the tea. Spill the tea. All right. Mm. Um, so I um, 
I guess for me personally, I've always had lots of gynae issues and I, um, you know, endometriosis. And I know that you girls have been on that journey as well with lots of, you know, gynae issues along the way as well. And often we don't talk about it enough, even right from that point. So, you know, I was 15 when I was hospitalised the first time with endometriosis. Um, And I'll never forget that experience as long as I live. The weirdest doctor came in. He was a man. He had no eyebrows and it was horrific and emotionally scarring beyond any level. Um, And that's kind of like that first conversation. No one at that point even thought it would be appropriate to send in a female doctor to have a conversation with a 15-year-old girl about severe abdominal issues. And it's that's where we go wrong. Like it's just not creating a safe space. And yeah, anyway, it went on from there to just, you know, I'm now 45 and over the last few years I've just been having gynae issues again and kind of toying with the idea of should I go and have a hysterectomy? Am I losing my mind? What's happening with my body? And lots of symptoms were coming up. I get some crazy mad um, hormone headaches and I was just having massive mood swings and those days prior to my period, like just falling into a hole of extreme darkness. And I went to my GP and they were like, "Mm, I don't know, let's put you on um, an antidepressant because you've probably got, you know, menstrual dysphoric disorder. That's probably what it is. And I was like, okay, I've been really reticent to take antidepressants over my life even though I've kind of always had mental health issues along the way I've tried to manage that holistically Um, and I just went you know what all right I'm going to give this a go see what happens and I guess for me it just there were too many other things and I chatted with my girlfriend Tonya who is like the oracle of information on all things menopause perimenopause all the things and the perimenopause word kept coming up and I just kind of went you know what I feel like this is more and I went to my GP and I was told I was too young because women that are like 42, 43, they're not perimenopausal. doesn't happen yet. It's a long way off. And I went away and I thought, okay, I I really am losing my mind. I probably should pop myself into a little stay in a hospital. Like I think I've really got to that place in life. Um, Backstory for me as well, like a little bit of a backstory. I have quite a challenging, I guess, home life, you could say. I've got Um, two kids with additional needs um, and my husband has really severe PTSD so I kind of and I've got three kids in total but everybody kept saying to me you're just stressed and I was like okay well that's great I can't get rid of my family they they are what they are and that's it yeah so yeah it was just like okay I'm not this is not just stress and I can't just go you know what my kid with autism, a kid with ADHD, you're too hard, I can't manage you anymore. And the husband with PTSD, sorry, you're broken as shit, but I can't deal with you either. That's not going to happen. I just had to pull my, pull my big girl panties on and try and manage it all. Yeah. Um, and I just kind of, and in between all of that, sorry, I'm segueing off here, yeah. um, lost my mum who had lived with me for six years. And so for me, I was in this massive spiral of just insanity and all these symptoms kept coming in like extreme joint pain. I pretty much had convinced myself I had MS and rheumatoid arthritis and pretty sure I had early onset dementia because I could barely string a sentence together some days. Um, I couldn't remember anything. I just, 
everything was just bananas. And mm. I thought, this is shit. Like, who who feels like this in their 40s? Like, I feel like I'm 100. That's where I was mm. kind of at. And I just went, you know what? And I'm not really ready to check out of this life yet. Like, I've got some shit to do. And people who need me, that's the other thing, is that yeah. my youngest is almost 11. I've got a long ride ahead with him. I don't have time to feel like a half-sucked minty every day. So I just was like, got to strap yourself in, girlfriend, and get this shit sorted. Yeah. Went back to my GP after I talked to my girlfriend again. I was like, right, I really, really think I'm perimenopausal. I really need some help. And again, got sent away and told, you're too young. It's not that. Um, and just, you know, here's some things to make it feel easier when you have your period and keep taking your antidepressant. You're going to be great. It's, you've got a lot on. You're just stressed. And I went, nope. I'm still not happy with this. I just don't feel right. And again, circle back to my girlfriend, Tonya, who um, sent me to the Australian Menopause Society uh, website. On there, you can have a look and search for GPs that are registered with them for their knowledge and their passion about menopause and perimenopause. Mm. So you can go in there, type in your location, and it will help you find um, a GP that specialises in that area. So they've paid money to be a part of that society so they're invested in that experience that means that they actually know what they're talking about because generally as a broad spectrum clearly by the conversations I'd already had with GPs I'd worked out that it's not their specialty they only have a finite amount of information about everything and I guess for a lot of GPs unless it's something that they're really interested in it's not they're not diving in there. They're just, they're still thinking it's back in the 80s and 90s with hormone replacement therapy. And it's only when you're like fully fledged, like, you know, 55 year old psycho bitch that they put you on HRT. Yeah. And I just went, I'm just not, I, I, I don't like the answers that people are giving me. In between, we moved from Newcastle to Townsville um, when my husband retired. So he gets to just, live his life on our <laughs> now he mows he fishes he camps he's living his best oh, life he's living the dream say yeah. definitely yeah. living the dream <laughs> he's living his dream he's 48 and he's living his dream he just does what he wants and that's great because that's this we look at our block of land that we've bought as our healing space so yes. and for me as well that's that's my thing too it's our healing space we come in here we shut the big electric gates at the front and I don't care what happens outside because mm-hmm. we're in our little bubble. It's a magnificent thing. Um, so we're kind of, you know, we've moved and I went, okay, right, I'm going to find a doctor in Townsville and I'm going to book in and have a conversation. I had to wait a little while for this doctor and I went to her and she, in the very first appointment, she was like, yep, I think you meet the criteria for perimenopause. Oh, and, like, and you're like, Finally. validation. I'm not like, nuts. Oh, my God. I felt amazing. Even though nothing had physically changed in my body, walking out of that appointment, I went, oh, my God. I suddenly feel like I'm not losing grip on reality. I have suddenly my ducks came back into my pond and I knew where I was at a little bit more. So I went off for some blood tests and those kinds of things. Blood tests aren't overly accurate for um, hormone testing just as a side note for everybody they mm-hmm. a little bit your hormones fluctuate a lot yes um, so it's very hard for them to get a really accurate reading with blood testing but it's a good gauge it's a good baseline 
Um, so we did all of that, went through all of my symptoms, and she was like, yep, absolutely. And oddly enough, even though I'd spent a lot of my life trying to move away from being on the pill, but anyone who's had endometriosis knows that that's one of the frontline methods that we kind of manage that. Yeah. I was like, you know, my husband's had a vasectomy, don't need to be on the pill anymore. Yeah. I'm all good. Wipe this your hands it. of it, don't you? And just like, hallelujah. <laughs> Thank God. I don't have to take that shit every day. Yeah. Um, and I guess because as well, we've been made to think that, you know, long-term use is going to lead to breast cancer or all of these things that everybody kind of says and talks about. Um, and a lot of that has been disproven now and there's a lot of changes in how they look at hormone therapy. Um, so I started back on the pill and because I'm under 50, I'm still eligible for that that category. Once I'm over 50, I will then have to change to a different style of hormone therapy. Oh, wow. um, but for now, this is managing, my body's managing it okay. Um, and I actually have cognitive ability again. I have a significant reduction in my pain. Um, fatigue is lowered significantly. Like there were days where I could literally not get off the bed um, because I was so exhausted inside of my core that there was just nothing there. Yeah. Um, and, yeah, so definitely I've been on the pill again now for four months, five months, um, and am feeling much much better still have ebbs and flows where you know it's a bit crazy um i still have you know a lot of other side effects and symptoms that people have um but it just for me i feel like i've kind of got things happening again i'm still taking um an antidepressant which you know in the reason why they often give um, an antidepressant as part of a um, like a hormone replacement therapy kind of menopausal management is that anxiety is actually a massive, massive part of perimenopause. Oh, wow. So, and so the symptoms, like I printed out a sheet so that I could kind of make sure I didn't miss any. The symptoms that women can have are things that we write off and for generations have been written off as normal you'll be right. Like everybody kind of just goes, okay, I'm going to get some hot flushes and I'm going to be a hectic bitch. Yeah, yeah. that's exactly right. I'm going to be all- sweating all night. Yeah, exactly. That's so true. Yeah. So there's so much more. So you've got like your hot flashes, night sweats, sleep problems, weight gain. Weight gain, like I've put on a good solid 10 kilos in the last sort of 12 months through no changes. Nothing's changed except obviously my hormones. And you know, it's just, it's it's all hormonal. Everything's triggered. It's the internal guidance system for so much of our body. And, you know, it's that. Um, you know, loss of libido is really common for women, um, which is where I get super passionate about this because there are things out there to help women. And, and we're totally going to do an episode on it. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's, um, well, because what happens is everybody just goes, and across men and women everywhere, they just go, oh, yeah, look, she's like in her 40s, 50s. She doesn't want sex anymore. That's my, my missus never wants to do it anymore. Well, why doesn't she want to? Is it that she doesn't want to or that the internal system in her body has just gone, you know what, I'm not thriving right now and the whole kind of background point, if you go primally for sex, is to procreate. So I don't need to procreate anymore. So I'm all good. I'm checking out. 
taken yeah. the ticket and it's gone. <laughs> and I mean, you know, we also want to feel good and feel sexy about ourselves. But if we're having all these, you know, other things come up, yeah, sex we've got is a shit got... shower on the on the go. Exactly, sex is the last thing because you're like, mate, I haven't slept. You know what I mean? Like all those excuses. <laughs> I'm too tired and I've got a headache. I'm too tired and I've got a headache. But they <laughs> literally are sort of thing. Like you, you do, yeah. Legitimate, yeah, like just everything. And you girls would have seen it at the salon. Hair loss is mm-hmm. really common for women with perimenopause and menopause, um, irregular periods, mood swings. They're the common ones that we think of straight away when you kind of think of, you know, that sort of part. Um, but joint pain and muscle aches are really super common because the hormones mm. affect your ligaments and your muscles. So for me personally, it was like, and I still get it, but not as bad, but foot pain. So for me, when I get up in the morning, I can barely walk to the toilet because my feet are so painful, I can barely put them on the floor. Wow. Yeah, and, right. And I was like, have I broken my feet? Have I done something, you know? And I was like, do I need to wear those ugly old ass orthotics everywhere? Like <laughs> wear the nether shoes? I don't know. But yeah, and that was one of the things that was just kept playing on my mind. It's not right. I don't understand. Um, bloating, difficulty concentrating, fatigue, heart palpitations, high blood pressure, itchiness, um, period pain without an actual period, um, just bitter metallic taste in your mouth, brittle nails, dizziness, nausea, tingling, numbness or pins and needles feeling across your body, anxiety and panic attacks, depression, digestion issues, headaches, heavy bleeding during your period, increased PMS, memory lapses, shorter or lighter periods, bladder infections, urine leaking and urgency, um, chills, dry mouth, dry eyes, and new or worsening allergies. Huh. Those things we all go. <laughs> all symptoms of menopause and perimenopause. Wow. Do you need to book into the doctors? That is a hell of a lot more. I'm like, hot damn, I'm there. <laughs> exactly. Like, here we are. But that's so interesting. You know, like you say, it was just like those first couple that you're like, yeah. oh, that's what happens. Yeah. But reading that massive list is really interesting. Yeah. yeah. It makes you kind of just sit back and go, how many women have been written off with high blood pressure because they, you know, they just, oh, you've just got high blood pressure, you're just stressed, when realistically that could have been managed just with a bit of hormone therapy or something. You know, yes. I'm not saying that hormone therapy is for everybody, but it's it's looking at the bigger picture of where people are in their lives and what's happening as a whole instead of just going, just that. Let's stick a Band-Aid on yeah. just that. Well, you can, and you can see how they all sort of intertwine too. You know yeah. what I mean? Oh, you put on a bit of weight. Well, your blood pressure's gone up, and it's because you put on the weight. You've done this, and because you know what yeah. I mean. Like, there's no, there's all these little links, but we're just not seeing them come together or stepping back well, and seeing that and picture I think as a whole. Quite a lot of that is like, oh yeah, I'm just a bit headachey at the moment. I'm a bit stressed. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Yeah, wow. yeah. So it's it's really big, and a lot of women don't even realise that hormone headaches. Are, are really and hormone migraines are a massive thing so again back to my beautiful girlfriend Tonya she had migraines to the point where she was actually admitted into the stroke unit because they thought that she'd actually had a stroke her, her migraines were that bad wow. wow it was her perimenopause get that shit under control and her migraines have lessened wow so, it's you know, incredible. there's lots of other reasons why things can be happening. And I think a lot of doctors don't have the knowledge 
to be able to go, you know what, that, that, if we go back and look at all of these things, this woman just needs some help because her hormones are just up the chute. Like they're just mm. demented. God, okay. something you said before we um, pressed record was the different types of menopause. Now, this was something that I didn't know. And, I mean, obviously like that, I'm 28. Um, yeah, I'm 28 still. <laughs> yeah, guess. I hate when I have to say my age. Hey, I always forget it. But, you know, I'm 28. And <laughs> you so might it's be not, perimenopause. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so it's not something that, you know, you think to look about. And then you said that. I thought, shit, no one has ever said that there is different types of menopause. Mm-hmm. Can you go through those for us? Yeah. So everybody just goes, it's menopause. It's the big M word. It's the change. Everybody talks about, you know, women in the change, that time mm. of their life, all of that sort of stuff. But you actually have like a window prior to menopause that's called perimenopause. And it's like your beginning. Your body's amping up. Things are changing. Um, the hormone levels are dropping and fluctuating. And that's when women start to see lots of the symptoms coming through. That can last sorry ladies like five to nine years i'm sorry oh great yeah something look forward to nearly a decade that sounds so yeah it it can be and it can be fluctuating it's usually you know late 40s early 50s but not always like there's women in their 30s you know that are going through that sort of hormonal changes um through life that you know and they just they don't know what it is and for a lot of women it's the anxiety and depression that come through as really prevalent things. And when you kind of, I'm in a a Facebook group that's menopause and perimenopause Australia and sorry, menopause and perimenopause support group Australia. It is a Facebook group that is just all perimenopausal and menopausal women where we kind of can exchange um, you know, treatment options, things that are working for people, things that didn't yeah. work for ladies. Um, Just to know, have that support, isn't it? Like that would be so invaluable. Yeah, and you kind of go, oh, and, and things that I hadn't even thought of I, as, you know, sort of linked into this hormonal change, they kind of, I see somebody else post it and I go, oh, shit. And it's almost just like this moment where you suddenly I felt like a normal person where I went, oh, my God, I am normal. Like I just I I'm not losing my mind. I don't have a million other, you know, ailments going on. My body just doesn't know what it's doing with its hormones. They're just gone cray cray. And I need to just ride this out and work my way through it. So yeah, it's just huge. So women go through that perimenopausal phase. And so when you've, it's classified as menopause, like you're in menopause when you have gone 12 months without getting your period. Um, So then you're in menopause. So, and again, it can just be all of those other wild ride symptoms. So for a lot of ladies, they might not even be knowing that they're in perimenopause and even on conversations with, you know, female family members along the way, they kind of go, oh, I had all of that. I just thought it was life. Like I didn't even, nobody even thought about the fact that that's the beginning phase of menopause. Yeah. It's not until her period stopped that she was like, now I'm in menopause. That's it. And, I mean, like how much nice, I mean, I don't know if nice is a word, but could you imagine if you were getting these symptoms I mean, yes, it is a shock to your system, as in 
to admit it to yourself. You know what I mean? Like that in itself would be pretty. Yeah, in the mind game. Yeah, exactly. Hard to sort of deal with to go, oh, geez, like this is where we're at in life. But, you know, if you can kind of start looking into it and getting, I don't want to say control because I know that, you know, it's your body and it can only do what it can do. But if you can start to go, hang on a minute, this isn't just me being stupid or me being like, you know, crazy or anything like that. Exactly, exactly. You can kind of look around and go, okay, well, this is where we're at. Mm. It's not as harsh on the system, I think. Yeah. Yeah. For me, it was like, I can just, I can ease into this feeling. Like I can be comfortable with it and ease into the concept that this is what's happening and we're just going to jump on and we're going to ride the wave. But it just, it made sense. And suddenly, yeah, everything was kind of like, okay, that, that, that all goes into place and makes sense for me. Um, You know, I was just transitioning normally through my perimenopause phase but like we talked about earlier you know you've got your normal perimenopause menopause and then you've got surgical menopause and medical menopause so surgical menopause uh is you know these beautiful women who've had to have their ovaries removed um through surgery and they just wake up after their surgery and they just get punched in the face by a whole lot of hormones and Mm. They are on a wild, wild ride and it is just, yeah, like literally some of the women in that group have ended up in psych wards because their hormones have just gone bananas and they just can't cope with life. It's just too much. Well, wow. like you say, something that could last between five and nine years Imagine to all slowly, yeah, you know, groom you into it, just going smack in the face, right? You know, yeah. waking up after and surgery and go bam, bitch, aren't they? Like, how upset do you get by hormones? Oh, they just make you crazy. Yeah, exactly. So you can see why you're going to end up in a war. Yeah, especially if they don't help. have that support around. You know what I mean? Like that's just their way to get that support network around them because mm. you would nearly wake up a different person. Imagine yeah. your husband going, "Oh shit, I dropped you off to get your ovaries out, and now." Yeah, you got exactly. like all the things happening. Yeah, yeah. How do they intense. handle that? Well, that's why lots of people in that zone, in that age bracket, I guess, um, that's when marriages break down. You know, yeah, like true. you look at the amount of people that you would have seen in your time. Um, that you know, they kind of get to that a bit of an empty nest syndrome. Like kids have moved out, that kind of stuff, um, and they're. Bodies have changed and all of those things and then they suddenly just look at their partner and go, you know what, I'm just not into you anymore and Mm. we're out and they part ways. And there's just so many layers to life. Like as women we just go through so many seasons where our bodies just are changing and lives, you know, whether it's you're a young mum or you've got a new baby, or you've got toddlers, and things change. And along the way, nobody ever stops and has a conversation with us about how everyone does the, how are you doing? Well, that's that's such a blanket bullshit question. Um, yes, exactly. And, and, we, and we all go, oh, I'm great. Nobody breaks down and goes, man, my husband and I haven't had sex for like six months, and I can't get this kid out of my bed, and... I feel like I'm losing my mind and, you know, it, it just never happens. And, and and throw in with that, they don't certainly don't say, and I have got this like insane, you know, vaginal itch that 
I can't do anything about. Um, we don't do that conversation ever. It's mm. very beige when we ask people generally. And if we actually started to have more conversations about it, you know, we might kind of see some happier folk out there. We wouldn't have all those hectic bitch Karens that are in there. No offense to Karen, sorry. But, uh, <laughs> exactly. That are in their, you know, 50s that are just pissing everybody off and being cranky because they would kind of have had conversations yeah. and have things addressed because we talk about all of our women's health, menopause, any of those things in these hushed, whispered tones like it's super weird and we shouldn't talk about it. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, we just – and then everybody just assumes that their lady parts are going to die and they're just going to be like never have sex ever again and who cares? And that's that's it, you know, like, you know, there's, like you say, it's just a, like, said in the hushed tones of menopause and it's not brought to – and do you think it's just the lack of education out there? Like do you think that's what it is or – I think it's probably a lot of things. It's a lack of education is the number one thing, I think. But also it's a generational thing. You know, what I discover a lot when I'm talking to women is that nobody, like, nobody has a conversation. No one ever tells you at any point in time when they're giving you sex ed or anything else in life that that sex and intimacy are supposed to be pleasurable. You know, the ultimate outcome is that you would love to have an orgasm out of that experience. Yeah. The, the conversations are don't get pregnant, don't get an STI. They that's so are. I still remember <laughs> the bloody cauliflower thing that we saw um, in sex ed in high school. Still scares the shit out of me. Yeah, but it's so true. We, don't, we didn't learn anything else. No. No, you have a conversation like they might do it as a group or whatever and girls we're going to talk about, you know, your period and, and that sort of thing and then they might explain how vaguely how you use any of the feminine hygiene products that are out there and then we kind of go okay and now you know when you're going to have sex you're going to you know maybe have a bit of a feeling and then you're going to you know he's going to put his penis inside your vagina that kind of thing yeah you know if we're talking about heterosexual sex um but it at no point in time does anybody go and fyi as a girl you should have this huge feeling where you have this pleasure, this euphoria, this wonderful, beautiful feeling because, let's face it, most men, every man, they're going to have an orgasm. That's, mm. their, that's their ultimate goal. That's mm. They're done. Out, you know, I like to say that men are like a microwave, 30 seconds and they're good to go. Women are like an oven. We need to preheat. We yes. need to kind of have that preheat process. There's just so many conversations that we don't have and, um, yeah, like like I, I think I said it earlier, I don't know whether I said it on the podcast or when we were actually talking earlier, that we don't get a manual for our magnificent yeah. body. Nobody has like a manual that you can check back in on and often you find some cool features along the way that you didn't know were there and, you know, I meet women often who are in their 30s, 40s, 50s, who've never had an orgasm and they, you know, and they just, they don't know because they don't know. They've been with a partner a long time or they just haven't had that sensation and they, they ultimately, they kind of think they're a bit broken and that's just the way it is. And then you just, my first response is just to give them a big old sweet hug because yeah, nobody should go through life without an orgasm. That's just heartbreaking. And, and I think, like, you know, people get to the point where they're like, oh, well, you know, I feel 
like you say, with the generational thing, you know, it's kind of like, oh, but I shouldn't demand anything. You know what I mean? Like yeah. that sex is more about the the other half. It's not so much about us. And it's, you know, if I'm demanding, well, that means I'm a needy bitch and that puts me into this category. Yeah. Or if I like sex, then are you put into a... Yeah, promiscuous. Yeah, exactly. Oh, well, then you're that girl. It's like, well, no, you know, you can still be you. And I don't know. I don't know if it's uh, you get put into different boxes or what. But, you know, if you demand or you go, hey, how about my turn? It puts you into a different box. Absolutely. That's absolutely. There's a lot of conversations starting to happen now about that and, you know, I could go on for days and days and days about how, you know, young men are learning about intimacy, young women are learning about intimacy. Um, But even, you know, in the older bracket, what, you know, like I said before, when marriages are parting ways later on, what men and women are looking for in relationships, like I have a lot of single women in their 30s, 40s, 50s that I know, um, and they are all like, man, I just asses in this category like they're just horrible Mm. the dating scene is just awful and there's just so much confusion and nobody has a conversation about intimacy and people don't know what people want and like let's just talk about sex like let's just have a conversation about what feels good what doesn't feel good and you know I have that conversation my kids are 17 13 and 11 and they already know that um, you know, intimacy um, as a blanket term. So intimacy, and I age appropriate this, obviously, but um, intimacy is something that is about making another person feel good. It's not always penetrative sex. It's about massage. It's about touch. It's about being kind to another person. It's the things that you say, the words that you use. So I'm trying to model that in my kids right now from when they're young. And, you know, my 17 year old is a boy and all of his friends are like oh my god your mom is like the coolest and because I have these really open conversations because I think that they deserve to know that because I don't want my kids to end up like the generations before us where we don't have conversations like I talk about body parts in our house like they're you know passing bit of fluff like I don't even bother about it it's like we talk about vaginas, vulvas, penises all the time and I correct my daughter when she says, oh, you know, it's my whatever stupid name she's seen on some TikTok video. And I'm like, no, that would be your vulva. And she's like, oh, mum, can you just stop? Like, no, I will never stop. Yes. I will never stop teaching you the right words for your body and to teach you to be comfortable with your body because – that's how you become a good person in the grand scheme is that you're comfortable with a conversation with a medical practitioner or a partner or any of those things because there shouldn't be any shame associated with your vagina or your vulva or any of your body parts. Like I just don't, I don't get it, but that's because I think differently about how, yeah, intimacy works. But it just, it changes for everybody all through life. The seasons change, intimacy changes. And, you know, if you've got any fellas who've hung on this long in this podcast and are still holding on, just be nice, be kind to your partner, have some empathy and some compassion as she moves through those changes in life because she can't control that stuff. It's 
totally out of her control. Yeah. And just be nice to her. Be kind yeah. because she's not choosing this. No one would choose this. Oh, yeah. exactly. If we had the option, you'd, you'd skip it all together. But it is so true, you know, as our bodies, our bodies do go through so much and we're so thankful for that too, you know, what they do over the time. But, yeah, it is It is bloody horrible, isn't it? Yeah. It's a massive list. Brain, Courtney. Courtney's just like. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, you and gotta. No, well, no. When you started talking about like the diff- the difference in menopause, that just really, you know, obviously because I may just sort of bring it up again. And then you know, you even like just the surgical to the peri. You know, like I can't believe that there's so many different types of menopause. Yeah, to start and we ride them all off and just go, oh, she's in menopause. Yeah, so she's salty. Yeah, exactly, yeah. exactly. Like there's plenty of women that you can think of that you go, oh, geez, I don't know what her problem is. But, you know, if you sat, sat back and went, yeah. okay, I'm going to have a little bit of compassion for you, let's have a conversation. She's probably got a bit of a show happening. Yeah, yeah. internally. Mm. Oh, Yay for being female. (laughs) (laughs) It's amazing. So, yeah, it's just I think it's about rethinking, you know, intimacy for those couples that, you know, when she's in that state, um, you know, give her a massage, you know, do nice things, that kind of stuff. Um, Just, yeah, rethink. And I think it's for a lot of women it's about re learning how their body works and intimacy and all of those sorts of things you know that the changes to their body like one of the things that I didn't even mention as a major symptom as well is vaginal dryness and um that's something that's huge for women is vaginal dryness and changes to their natural lubrication okay so I know nothing about this so let's dive into it because if I know nothing someone somewhere is going to go cool well neither did I yeah (laughs) so some of the things that your, so your body naturally produces your own self-lubricant from the lining of your vaginal walls. Um, and that is designed as a bit of a protective mode for your body, but it's also for pleasure. So the more natural lubrication you have, the more that your body is protecting itself during penetration, um, but also um, it's keeping itself, I kind of like to describe it um Sorry, I realise on a podcast I'm very handsy when I talk. <laughs> so are we. <laughs> that means nothing for all these poor folks that are listening to me. Um, we, um, like, I've now I've lost my train of thought. Um, we, our bodies change and that natural lubrication changes, but we're protecting ourselves. Um, if we like to think of it, this is where I'm back to, if we like to think of it like a garden, when you water your garden, plants grow beautifully. When you don't water your garden, plants don't grow um and it's essentially if you kind of liken it to that by stimulating the flesh increasing that natural lubrication it's keeping it really well nourished any part of your body goes well with um stimulation and nourishment so that's that's essentially what it comes down to um so as you move through hormonal cycles um so one point that even i'm going to talk about this in perimenopause and menopause vaginal lubrication changes I didn't realize until a few years ago that it's actually really common for women to have that post baby so you've just had your sweet baby this is really great you get your six-week tick from the doctor to say yep you're good let's go and you you know like your hubby's watching the clock he's like six (laughs) weeks are up 
get it on. Uh, (laughs) I think every woman who's had a baby's like, "Mm -hmm." yes, (laughs) yes, six weeks. (laughs) Especially if it's your first baby, you're already like, oh my god, is everything changed? Like, yeah, what what is going on down there? Because there was a lot of stuff happened and things come out that were big, and um, it, (laughs) you know. and even if it's even if you haven't had a vaginal birth and you've had a cesarean, still hats off to beautiful Caesar ladies. Um, you are still magnificent. You are absolutely magnificent in every way if you've created a human. But your hormonal changes mean that your body almost goes into a menopausal state post baby. So it kind of your hormones are a bit whoopsie doo and everything. We all know that. Um, but one thing we don't think about is that your natural, like your self-lubrication can change and vaginal dryness is really common post-babies because all of the hormones are going to making milk and healing and all of that kind of stuff. So, you know, you get your six-week tick from the doctor, you go home and your hubby's like, sweet, let's get it on. And you don't know that it's like the Sahara down there and you're like, this is uncomfortable and horrible and it was painful. And so then you just go, yeah, we're not doing that again for a while. That's not cool because no one said to you, hey, sister, pop a bit of lubricant in there or on him and that is going to be like way funner. Yeah. I just have to share this because it's making me smile and I don't know if I'm putting you off. I went to a pure romance party um, a little while ago. My friend did it and she was quoting the person who had trained her and we just laughed about it for ages. Spit is not lube. Oh. <laughs> I'm sitting here and you're talking about natural lubricant and I'm sitting here going, spit is not lube. That is not lube. It became the theme of the night. Oh, right. Spit is not lube. Remember that. Write that down, fellas. <laughs> exactly. Just remember. Just remember. Yeah, it's just about knowing because people don't know that that's happening and I – I, you know, you mentioned Pure Romance. That's part of what I do as well. Um, but I'm super passionate about this part, so I'm never pushing the Pure pure Romance part for me. It's about just empowering women with great knowledge. But I met a beautiful midwife at a party and she honestly said to me, I've never, ever, ever told a new mum that she should use a lubricant. And I went, why not? And she goes, because I didn't even know that was something I needed to tell them. Well, from now on, when you discharge that new mum and you are having those conversations about her, you know, caring for her body post-baby, tell that girl to pop some lubricant in her life. If she's going to, like, get back into intimacy with a partner, you know, with penetration, she needs to use a lubricant. Maybe that's for being, you know, you're going home bag that you get yeah. with all the samples. You get a sample of lube on the way out. I mean, not as silly as it sounds. Make you especially Imagine the boys. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> They'd be like, hell yeah, six weeks, make this wait. But it, I mean, we're taking the piss out there. But it's one of those things, like, I didn't realise that that could happen after babies. I didn't realise that. But then, you know, also, also through the menopause that that can happen to the poor women. And that would be very, like, that would be very uncomfortable. Well, it's, yeah, it's disheartening for that. Painful. Yeah, and painful. That's exactly right. Yeah. So when you're like, you know, when if you think about it from the outside of your body, when your skin's dry on the outside, mm. like it's uncomfortable, it feels tired, mm. it's not nice. Internally, vaginally, when you've got that dryness, um, it's it's the same, and it feels very painful. Mm. And women can have um, like 
itchy vulvas as well. So they're external. So when I keep talking about vulva, for anyone who's not listening, who's listening, sorry, who doesn't know the difference, I often have this conversation. So you've got your outer area of your vagina is referred to as your vulva. So that's your labia minora, labia majora, and then you've got like your clitoris, your urethral opening, and, you know, further back is your anal opening. Um, That entire area is called called your vulva. That's what it's referred to. So I have to clarify that for sometimes for women because they don't know that because, again. We're not learned that either. They're taught that either. Yeah. You know what they should do? They should get people like Adrena to go and do sex ed. Yeah, at school. Somebody, well, yeah, somebody that's going to be open enough and just have the conversation. Yeah. Just, yeah, just have, like, it's not weird. It doesn't have to be weird. Just chill out about it. But, yeah, it's, so for women in menopause, but also I've had a conversation with a family member recently who was having, um, she's diabetic and having some issues with her, um, you know, female genitals and and her vulva and and she just she'd been to her gp and the gp was like party diabetes is what it is and she oh. was like you know she's she's postmenopausal and um and they and she was like i could literally like rip my fanny off like it's not cool and i went how about you just try like a water-based lubricant and use it like a moisturizer because that's essentially what a good quality water-based mo- like lubricant is. It's like a moisturizer that's pH neutral, safe for your vaginal use, really great, helps just to make things more comfortable. So you don't just have to use them during intimacy. It can be used like a moisturizer for your body as well. So for your, like for your vulva. Um, and since she started using that, she is like, oh my God, that was like, the most amazing thing that could ever happen. Yeah. If if she didn't happen to know me, she would never have had that conversation with anybody yeah. other than with her GP who then told her, crusty old dude, told her that that was just normal. It was part of life. So she was like trying to manage this unbelievable itch and discomfort that came, you know, essentially because her body was changing and there was a lot of dryness and, start using a lubricant like a moisturizer and she is like back in the comfort zone like could you imagine if she just didn't have me to talk to yeah exactly and you're so easy to talk to about it all that it just makes it flow god yeah and i mean that's the whole point of this conversation on a podcast is because you know someone might not have somebody like you but here we are having this conversation where they can learn into it how sad is it that i'm not going to say just women but we all just settle for things that it's like, oh, well, um, that just that's part of diabetes or that's part of your age or that's part of whatever. And we yes. just all settle for it and we don't go, oh, I'm going to go and ask someone else who might know. Yeah. We just settle. So that gives me a little thought process. I'm thinking because this was is not going to be Katrina's only podcast interview with us, <laughs> I would love if people would send in questions. <gasps> yes. If you have some questions that you can send in and then we can give them to Katrina and on our next episode we can yeah, go when through we get them. Yeah, the next we can do. <sighs> yeah. Yes. Exactly. Are that you keen? Be- I am keen. Yeah. Keen oh my I think God. that would be really good. Hell yeah, it would be. That's the, a, that the, was a real good idea there, sister. Thank you. I used it all myself, my own brain power. <laughs> good job. You didn't settle for anything, no, did you, exactly. No, I think that's a really good idea. I'm, I'm sure that there'd be so we many should, questions we'll people can group. have. Yeah, exactly. Yes. exactly. It's all so important, isn't it? Um, I just, 
Where, where are the gold nuggets? From yeah. This? Any other little gold nuggets you'd like to share with us today? I think it's just my nuggety nuggets are don't ever settle and just ask questions. And if you're not getting the answer you want from the first person you talk to, go find another person. Yeah. Research, jump in there. Like if you're in this menopause zone, jump into the Facebook group. Even if you just type in menopause in the search, it'll come up menopause and perimenopause support group Australia. Some great women in there that are going to be able to answer some questions and help you out. A lot of the ladies are gathering lists together from their, this group and that conversation that they can then take to their GP. Oh, that's a good idea. Mm. But this is some information that I've got. This is where I think I'm at. And they're not just going in going, I feel really shitty. I don't know what's going on. Yeah. They can actually say, you know, this is some things. Put it together. They can go with a little package of information to their doctor. Sometimes you know, trying I'm to find saying, the words, right? Like you yeah. just, you're like, there's things going on here. But to yes. read it and you go, yes, that's fantastic. What a great way to do it. So just, you know, and if you're not, um, you know, mainstream medicine, that's totes okay as well. Holistic medicine, natural medicine can still have answers for you, but don't stop asking the question. Don't give up and assume that this is it, this is your lot, this is how you're going to feel mm. because you don't know how well you can feel until you feel well. Yeah. And then you suddenly go, wow, how come I wasted all that time feeling complete garbage because I was too scared to ask a question of somebody or I just settled for that first thing that somebody told me when I should have just went, you know what, I'm going to keep asking questions. Mm. Your truth, uh, that is brilliant. My God, you are the bomb. Thank you for being so open and so just straight down the line with us today. That has been Where absolutely can- we're gonna go, we're gonna do a sneaky plug on the end of here, Katrina. Where can people find you? Oh yeah, you said about the pure romance. Where can they find you? Um, so PR party by Cat, or you can just search. Um, if you just go, yeah, Katrina Mully, you can drop me an inbox, and mm-hmm. I'll pop you into my VIP group. That's where all the cool shit happens, um, and that will be a great little tool. You can hang out and lurk quietly in the background and just gather bits of information. Um, but yeah, I just love to be able to share sexual health information with women because we don't talk about it enough. And it's yeah. not to discredit men that we, you know, we don't, I mean, there, there is a, a health crisis across all barriers, whether we're male, female, cis, binary, any of the things, we are all lacking information. But yeah. for me personally, I just think that women's health ties really integrally into like our mental health, our entire space. And I just think we need to, have a place where we can chat about it because women don't always take care, very good care of themselves. They look after their kiddos and everybody else. Exactly. Better. Put everyone else first and ourselves last. Mm. We need to get off that. Gosh, yeah. Thank you so, so much. I have enjoyed this and I'm sure a lot I'm of people like will. I can't yet. wait for our next episode, that's for sure. This Thank you so, so much. Thank you, Courtney. Thank you, Fiona. You have been, like, amazing. I feel like I've just had a couple with some girlfriends and it was mad and amazing and I love it. So good. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks for joining us for this episode of YDP. We hope you found comfort in listening to relatable stories from the heart. We drop a new episode every Tuesday and Friday. And if you want to keep up to date, make sure you check out our socials on Facebook and Insta.